Welcome to Schoolist Place. I'm Rashad. And I'm Alan. In this series, we're going to help you build a viable media business by exploring some of the problems that other media startups face. Email newsletters are one of the oldest forms of internet publication. And in the past few years, they've been having a bit of a renaissance. Yes, indeed. Independent journalists around the world, just like you, have been quitting their jobs to go out on their own, using newsletters as the core of building a viable media business. Some audiences pay a small subscription fee to access the publication. Some newsletters are completely free, but supported by ads or sponsorship. And what's great about newsletters is that you're sending content directly to a user's inbox. You're entering their personal space, and so they don't have to go anywhere to engage with your content. But the success of your newsletter comes down to providing value to a user without being spammy. In this episode of The School of Splice, we're profiling a media creator who wanted to build an independent newsletter to help solve a very specific problem. Key information gaps in Malaysian politics. I was inspired to do this basically because over the past few years, we have seen more and more Malaysians paying much more attention to our parliamentary sittings. And this is very evident uh, since our change of government in 2018. Uh, the first change of government ever in six decades yeah, when we had a, a, a new administration under the uh, Pakatan Harapan uh, Coalition. And I think because of that change, there is a hope for Malaysia to, to have a more uh, transparent and open governance. And also because uh, people want to uh, see that their votes actually matter. This is Zurairi Abdurrahman. Zurairi is a news editor at Malay Mail and went into School of Splice wanting to work on a side project to engage Malaysians with the parliamentary system. It's a gap that he felt was needed to be addressed in the Malaysian market. And because of, because of that, we, we have seen more and more people on social media paying attention to parliamentary sittings. Before this, the, the sittings were just uh, broadcast on television, but over years, they have also been broadcast uh, streamed uh, online, which can be accessed by anyone with an internet service. And I think more and more people are tuning in just to see, I think, of course, Part of it is the drama, right? <laughs> the, all, the, all the shouting <laughs> matches, all the name calling, all the insults, insults being uh, thrown around. But I think part of it is, is because uh, also because they want to actually know what is going on inside, right? I mean, like you you vote these people in, but uh, and and they are basically civil servants, right? They, they they work for us voters for the public, but we don't know what exactly is going on inside the parliament are, are they actually representing us uh, are they actually speaking up for the issues that matter to us as voters and i also uh, saw more and more people actually like they post a running commentary you know on, on, on social media while while watching the settings zurairi's core idea was pretty simple launch a newsletter that covers the malaysian parliament but here's the thing, Malaysia already has news services that cover the day-to-day -day of parliament. What Zurairi was looking to provide was a level of analysis that you don't get in the regular news cycle. Sometimes when you do day-to-day -day breaking news, you tend to sort of like focus more on the immediate drama inside the parliament uh, as it happens rather than you know, trying to analyze or think of things in a more longer term. So this yeah. is 
I think this is where there is a need that needs to be served here. Uh, and I am also, I was also uh, partly inspired by uh, Punchbowl News, which is a, a subscription, uh, exclusively subscription-based uh, newsletter based in Washington <laughs> that uh, discusses the House of Congress there as well. When when I first heard about Punchable News, I was very much surprised because it's a it's a newsletter only product. I mean, if you go to the website, it's literally just <laughs> you know um, a, a field for you to enter your email address. They they don't actually display the content that they produce, uh, and they are only made available to subscribers. It was probably then that I thought there is this shift on how uh, the media and the press can present uh, their product. And I think that was part of uh, what uh, motivated me to you know, pursue this yeah. line. There are so many examples of companies that have been built around newsletters. Zerari mentioned Punchbowl News, but there's also Morning Brew, Axios, Surtechery, Crikey, or even The Sizzle. All of these publications offer readers a core newsletter product. Some of them, like Morning Brew, have large teams, and others, like The Sizzle, are just one-person operations. What Zurari wanted to create was closer to Punchbowl News, which was launched in early 2021 and focuses almost exclusively on the US Parliament. When I first entered journalism, I think taking a look at the bigger picture is one of the lessons that I was first taught, and uh, I, I think it kind of stuck with me until today, which is why I think there is perhaps a need for product that can take a view of the parliament in, in a bigger picture rather than just a day-to-day, hour-by-hour uh, happenings. Not, not to say that day-to-day happenings are not important because I think there is also another need there for people to actually know what is happening on a day of a sitting, of a meeting, right? But I'm talking more when it comes to policies and laws that are being enacted. Most of the times, these tend to be lost in daily news coverage because, you know, very much attention are being paid on the members of parliament themselves rather than the laws that are being formulated inside the parliament. And I think why there is a need for this and also of a day-to-day explanation of what is happening because I think currently... The only outlet for uh, someone who wants to find out what is happening uh, on the next day or, or, or today in parliament sittings, right? There is only one source, which is the state news agency, which we call Bernama. And if you have access uh, to this service, which not everyone does, then you will know what is being debated or going to be tabled uh, on the, the next day. And even oftentimes when news publications take this explanation of what is going on in a certain day, it is usually buried, you know, because of course, (laughs) for a news organization, there are so many things that they are covering. So things tend to be buried under, right? Zurari was mentored by Pankaj Mishra, who runs Factor Daily out of Bangalore. Pankaj was a coach for School of Splice and helped Zurari figure out some of the specifics of what his newsletter would be. And key to kickstarting this process was figuring out who the target audience should be. Here's part of one of their conversations. The other thing I think, you know, we, we need to spend time getting to understand better. So the audience that we are talking about, what is their watering hole? Where currently, where, where all do they go and consume, whether it's news or information? Uh, in your mind, the kind of persona, the kind of people that you have in your mind, uh, can you can we talk a little about their behavior uh, in terms of consuming content and news? When I think of people who may be interested in the product, I immediately picture 
at least two archetypes. Uh, first is the political junkie, obviously. <laughs> uh, and at the at the moment, much of the water cooler conversation tends to be, of course, on not only on social media, but I think specifically Twitter, Facebook to a certain extent. But I think most of the more exciting or perhaps progressive even uh, conversations of politics tend to be on Twitter. And also the conversations are mostly driven by not only news articles from new alternative online media, but I think uh, it is also being driven by conversations Uh, from politicians themselves on Twitter and on, on social media or all the press statements that they produce and also sometimes, you know, random conversations or things that they retweet, things that they post on social media. It sparks conversations with, with these uh, political junkies and, and, and these are the people who want to know more and want to be more involved with policymaking and democracy. And the second persona or archetype that I imagine, I guess perhaps you can call them parliament professionals. This would include, you know, academics who always keep track of policies and laws and also, of course, uh, the staff members of these members of parliament themselves, special officers for ministers, uh, research officers for members of parliament. And also, there's also civil society, obviously. Uh, we have quite a number of human rights organizations and also uh, watchdogs that are also working on democracy uh, and elections and policymaking. And when I imagine this second persona, I would imagine them mostly, you know, either exchanging views in the corridors of parliament themselves or perhaps in like very, very esoteric, a very closed-door seminars, conferences where they exchange information. So as we can see already, there is not much overlap between these two uh, groups. But I believe there can be much benefit if we can create some sort of overlap of a sharing of information between these two groups, but also find a way for a product that can find a middle ground to serve these two most, I, I would say, pressing audience of, of this. So as with all media businesses, whether you're starting a newsletter, a podcast, or building an online news brand, it's important to figure out who the audience is first and then test your theories against people who aren't necessarily wanting you to succeed. These are not your friends. You need to have conversations with people you don't know to test whether or not your assumptions are valid. If you don't find a community or a problem to solve, then maybe you need to change your idea before you invest a lot of time or money in the product. Best to fail fast because then you fail cheap. That's right, and Zurairi had created a few personas of the ideal subscriber, and he was using these to picture who the audience was. Have you spoken with any of these personas? Have you put names to these uh, faces <laughs> that <laughs> that you have? Because uh, one of the things is, I, I always, again, not been to a journalism school, but I always push myself, and I think you would like it too, to put names to faces, because that's when... Uh, we meet the, meet the reality. So, have you tried doing it? <laughs> uh, I, I, I have. I know. I, know. I know this is a common uh, ex- exercise, but I perhaps have. Uh, you know, have never put any names to this. Yeah. <laughs> and and, and I, 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 I guess perhaps it is time to <laughs> come up with names <laughs> to describe them, right? <laughs> uh, not, not just as a fictitious character, but I think it. It would be good, actually, to kind of think of people and speak to them who could be interested. Because as we go on this journey, Zureri, I think 
uh, it's almost like having a shadow board. Even if there are two people who you know well, uh, who would be interested in a product like this, we can keep them as a shadow board or something. Wherein mm-hmm. once you know, once in a while, you can you can talk to them. Things that we discuss, we can quickly validate. You know that yeah. kind of a thing. So yeah, your yeah. circle of trust in, yeah, in that yeah. sense. Yeah, yeah. So think of yeah. a couple of names that would really help. Yeah. Okay. Sure. Um, yeah, I, I I will have a think. <laughs> One uh, kind of a flag there is that a lot of time when we are building something new, people who are too close to us, they <laughs> uh, they, they will they are wrong uh, people to have because no matter what we do, they will be like, "Hey, this is great idea. This is awesome." You know. <laughs> so yeah, I think I think uh, <laughs> at, at the top of my head, I will probably call these two personas. You know, uh, Kira and Nadia, which are two of my uh, friends uh, when it comes to nice. all this, uh, you know, human rights and uh, journalism. Uh, and Very nice. They, uh, yeah. No, that's, so, that's awesome. If you're stuck trying to figure out what sort of newsletter to build, Sarah Ebner, the head of newsletters at the Financial Times, has a great perspective on this. And this advice can be useful for anyone, whether you're trying to start out as an independent newsletter or whether you want to create a newsletter for your current brand. When it comes to what newsletter to build next, I think it's vital to check out the competition, to see what's out there already. You should also research your own readers to see if there's demand for the newsletter that's proposed. Is there a topic that's popular but that currently doesn't have a newsletter, or is this too near to another one and might cannibalise its audience? Is there a writer who looks as if she or he could engage both existing and new readers? There's a lot more to consider, but those are the basics, along of course with knowing who will write it and when, and who will cover when they are off. I love that. The other thing Sarah recommends is thinking about the way the newsletter is actually written. Nobody wants to read a bunch of marketing material or writing that sounds like it was generated by a robot. Be human. When it comes to engaging newsletter audiences, there are so many ways to do this, with the most basic being to make sure your newsletters are direct, great to read and have a lot of personality. Obviously highly dependent on the person who's writing them. Don't forget the letter part of the newsletter. Too many people concentrate only on the news part and that you are writing to one person. You need to be a voice and that is very important because if we don't have voice or if you are not a voice of uh, something or uh, issues that matter, then there is no persona. Then what do you stand for? So having voice is very important, but that doesn't mean which which leads us to tonality, which you are referring yeah, yeah. to, right? Now, that tonality is also about who you want to be seen as, uh, you know, and, and that's the, the first principles that you have about, you know, no name calling or no shaming and basically trying to be constructive about it, trying to be more solution oriented about it. Of course, red flagging issues that matter, but that doesn't mean uh, you get on almost like a street fight. You don't need to go there. So having a tonality, design language, a style guide, a voice are all building blocks of uh, the question that you ask. Now, once you've figured out your audience, you've worked out your brand and what you want to write about, well, it's time to test your theories. So how do you get started? One of the easiest ways to start a newsletter is by using something like Substack or Review. These are one-stop platforms that allow writers and journalists to launch a newsletter in minutes. These platforms are great for those just starting out, and they can allow you to charge subscriptions as well. But what these newsletter apps don't offer is a lot of control. 
So if you want to build something more substantial, something more flexible, you might want to consider something like Ghost. Ghost is a content management system largely geared towards newsletters. Or perhaps you can sign up for a free MailChimp account and embed the sign-up form in your existing site. That's right. Starting a newsletter can be really, really easy or really challenging, depending on what you want your end product to be. A good way to do this is to just keep things simple. If all you want to do is launch your newsletter, then don't overcomplicate it. Use a free no-code or low-code tool to launch, and then once you've tested things with your audience, you can expand your vision and your tech. The other consideration with newsletters is how to make these a habit. The best newsletters have strong open rates, and one of the best ways to improve open rates is to create a habit. You want to be the newsletter that everyone opens in the morning or what everyone reads before the weekend. And the key to forming that habit is to create consistently useful, relevant content that is valuable to your audience. Frequency is also a thing. If you promise audiences an email every day, stick to the promise. Dan Oshinsky, the founder of Inbox Collective, helps media companies figure out their inbox strategy. He says focus is one of the biggest issues for media startups. The biggest mistake I see media startup founders make in their first year is a lack of focus. There are a lot of opportunities coming your way when it comes to content, to growth and monetization. But in year one, try to maintain a focus on your core strengths. Then you can chase down some of those other opportunities in year two and beyond. So let's say you do all of the above. You start your newsletter, you build an audience, you create a habit. How can you tell if that newsletter is actually working? Well, one obvious way is to look at how many people are subscribing and how many people open each newsletter or click the links within it. Obviously, the higher the open rate, the more relevant you know your newsletter is. So you know you need to do a newsletter if you're building a reader revenue strategy. If driving revenue from your audience through subscriptions, donations, or memberships is at the heart of what you want to do, then email should be at the heart of your content strategy. It's the thing that's going to allow you to build a loyal audience, drive habit among your readers, and ultimately convert them from free to paid. So if driving memberships is your largest strategy, then you might want to make it simpler for subscribers to convert from your newsletter to become paid members. Newsletters can be incredibly powerful for any media business. So if you find value in building a community of subscribers through a newsletter, you should definitely consider it. And here's Sarah again. You can measure the value of your newsletter in many different ways, from what it gives to existing subscribers, enhancing the value proposition that you offer them, stopping churn, leading to better engagement, to whether it leads to new subscribers. Newsletters are fantastic across so many areas. Acquisition, retention, engagement, promotion of other events. You won't be surprised to know that I simply think they're an excellent product. Thanks for listening to The School of Splice. This episode was hosted by me, Alan, and Richard Patel. Production by the team at Lawson Media. And in case you didn't already know, Splice has three newsletters. You can sign up at our website where you'll find previous episodes of this show as well. Just go to schoolofsplice.com and we'll speak to you soon.